Welcome to the latest episode of APPA's Public Power Now. I'm Paul Champoli, APPA's News Director. In today's episode, we're joined by Paul Zumo, Director of Policy Research and Analysis, APPA, to discuss a new report he has authored. The report details the ways in which public power utilities are leading the way for transformation of the power sector. Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast again, Paul. Great. Uh, well, thanks for coming back. Um, so just to kind of get things started, um, could you talk about, um, could you just give us an overview of the report and what it covers? Sure. Um, we're very excited about this new report, which I should emphasize at the start is free for everyone. So uh, not only can utility members download the report, but feel free to pass it on to anyone you think might be interested in the context and the content. Um, what really the report is aimed at doing is providing context for how public power utilities are moving um, or really spearheading this energy transition that we're seeing. Um, it kind of follows up on a paper I wrote a few years ago and is just um, meant to show how public power utilities are engaged in all the different kinds of trans transactive or, or I guess uh, the new types of activities that revolving uh, around electric vehicles, electrification, uh, the transition to a cleaner energy economy. And um, so it starts off with just providing an overview for the landscape and the changes that are happening in the industry more broadly, not just within public power. Um, we're seeing trends in, in generation. Um, 15, 16 years ago, 50% of all electric generation in the United States was produced by coal, and we're down to 20, 25%. So we've seen a transition uh, away from coal to natural gas and to renewable resources like wind and solar. And we're really seeing a lot more development of wind and solar resources and other clean energy resources uh, on the horizon. Um, we also provide some updates on what some of the states are doing and, and what the federal government is doing in terms of clean energy mandates. We're seeing a lot more um, state renewable or clean energy mandates or increasing mandates that they had set a few years ago. Uh, it also provides some stats and on electrification. Uh, as, as, as mentioned earlier, there's a, a big boom of sorts in electric vehicles, electric transportation. Um, so far uh, this year, we're already seeing almost as many EVs sold as were sold all of last year. Granted, there was a bit of a down, down a bit of a dip due to uh, the, the pandemic, but we're really seeing uh, this trend continue towards electrification and how that's going to impact utilities. And so the bulk of the rest of the paper really just focuses on public power utilities and their role, uh, including some uh, our statistics on public power utilities and how they compare to the rest of the industry, even though we're smaller, we're about 15% of total retail sales, public power utilities are doing a lot in this space and they're doing it while also maintaining higher reliability rates, and we have some reliability statistics in this paper, um, they're providing lower overall bills to our customers. And they're also themselves transitioning, and, and there's an important chart in here that shows that even though public power utilities don't directly own a lot of renewable resources like wind and solar uh, because, of the uh, because of the investment tax credit and their inability to take advantage of it, um, there's over 30,000 megawatts of solar and wind that public power utilities have either already entered into purchase power agreements with for that energy or or have plans to uh, enter into PPAs over the next several years. And that's only based on a survey sample of utilities. So the total amount is probably a lot more. So we're seeing public power utilities really 
enter this clean energy space. And then uh, the second half of the paper just focuses on case studies and get into more details later. But um, some of the topics we cover on the case studies are the, the these new portfolios and the, the changing generation infrastructure, um, what public power utilities are doing with, in terms of hydrogen, carbon capture and sequestration, some new hydropower developments, small modular, uh, small modular nuclear reactors, um, some of the new advancements in demand, demand response and energy efficiency, uh, electric vehicles, smart cities, rate design, uh, smart smart meters, and in grid improvements. So that's uh, in a nutshell, or a very big nutshell, <laughs> uh, what this paper is about. Oh, thanks, Paul. Um, so you mentioned uh, a paper that came out a couple of years ago, and that's uh, the value of the grid report that came out in 2018. So, um, you know, I, I read through the report the other day, and, and absolutely one of the things that emphasized was that it that it builds upon the report from 2018. So, could you expand on how how this new report does that? Sure. Uh, so, the report on value of the grid was uh, produced about three years ago, and what and just to summarize that report briefly, what it looked at was this change again, looking at the changing energy horizon. Um, there was a lot of concern that DER, distributed energy resources, particularly rooftop solar. There were going to be so many people putting rooftop solar on their houses, and they were they were able basically able to avoid the grid altogether, and that there would be large scale grid defection. And the paper acknowledged that the that you know the increase in DERs and PVs prevent, presents something of a challenge to utilities, but the likelihood of grid defection was not very high because there's just too many variables and it's um, difficult to place solar rooftop in every location in the country and expect that you would, even with batteries, have uh, electricity available 100% of the time. Um, there's a cert- and then obviously there's a certain class of customers who can't afford or aren't even able to put PVs on their rooftop. So paper paper surmised that utilities were still going to play a central role in this grid of the future, either through management of these DER systems, maybe their own operation, or becoming maybe sort of energy trusted energy advisors for their customers and, and, and sort of operating their systems in tandem. There was a lot of opportunities here for utilities and that really going forward, even with an adoption, an increased adoption of DERs and an increase in electrification and all these changes that are taking place, um, utilities are still going to have a central role in managing that just because they have the experience to do it, uh, because they have the technical know-how to do it, because their customers trust them and will trust in them to make the right decisions. Um and at the end, so so the central theme of the paper was that the utility was still going to play a central role, and and then sort of at the end, I alluded to the fact that public power utilities in particular were going to have play uh, a key role in this uh, energy transition, just because of the different circumstances around public power utilities. There, you know, they're they have certain advantages that will help them in this transition. The fact that they are by and large not regulated, and so therefore can make uh, decisions on a, more, a local scale more quickly and more quickly adapt to changing circumstances. They're tied more closely to the customer because of their size. Their size was actually an advantage because they're much closer to the local community and therefore can make strategic decisions and make uh, investments in line with their consumer values. Um, so that spurred me later on uh, to to write this paper 
on and, and really get into the details of how public power utilities are going to play a central role in this energy transition. Great. So um, just, you know, circling back to the to the new report, um, can you drill down in terms of how the report shows that public power utilities are well positioned to manage the grid of the future? Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of this paper uh, involves case studies. So I took examples from public power utilities to show what they've already done, what they're doing, uh, and I'll get into the details here. I'm not going to go through every single case study because I do want some pe people to download the, the paper, read it for themselves, but I'll highlight a few here. And what these case studies really show are the steps that public power utilities are either taking or already have taken um, to manage the transition. First of all, I'll just mention again the statistics on, on reliability and uh, and rates and where public power utilities already are ahead and continue to take advantage of their strategic some of their um, uh, strategic advantages. Um, in terms of the case studies, though, um, for example, we look at um, IRPs and way, the way that public that all utilities, but in this case, public power utilities, are taking an assessment and taking stock of their generation portfolio and how they have to change their portfolio to uh, transition to a cleaner energy portfolio and lots of utilities large and small have engaged in this process over the last couple of years to re to reimagine what their generation portfolio and is going to look like uh, over the next decade or two decades to transition to a cleaner energy future and i highlighted a few here uh, there's the orlando utilities commission austin energy and smud and even tva and just looking at how they're transitioning away from coal and natural gas and making large investments in solar um, and even in hydrogen. Um, we talked uh, about SM, uh, small modular reactors and TVA is looking at is, is investigating that. Um, SMUD is looking at investing in over a thousand megawatts worth of storage. So these utilities recognize the challenge before them and they're already making very big plans to invest in these resources. Uh, when you look at solar, uh, there's abundant examples of public power utilities and how they're investing in solar, including community solar. Uh, I took a look at Salt River Project. They're looking to, to add over about 2,000 megawatts of solar through contracts um, in the near future. And they're looking to pair that with storage. And so they have a, a, a large one of the largest planned storage projects to pair with that solar to uh, to ensure reliability. I looked at the city of Healdsburg in California and their three megawatt floating array, which is a unique project. It's, um, as I understand it, the largest such project in the country, the largest such floating array. There are certain uh, technological advantages to floating arrays. You get um, higher efficiency through that. It's also a great example, uh, city of Healdsburg, of a utility that's relatively small, it's got about 6,000 total customers, 5,000 residential, to show that it's not just large utilities that are making these investments. Um, I've mentioned SMRs a few times. I, I can't fail to acknowledge UAMS, the uh, Joint Action Agency in Utah, but that serves several states. They've been working very closely over the last few years at a potential, one of the first 
if not the first um, SMR project to go live sometime before the end of this decade. Um, SMRs have a lot of great potential um, to use nuclear energy, but to do so at a smaller capacity, use much smaller land space. And and so uh, UAMS has been on the cutting edge with this technology and, and trying to invest and, and get that up and running sometime within the decade. We're also seeing Grant County Public U, uh, PUD and Washington State is also looking at this technology. And as I mentioned before, TVA is as well. Um, Sometimes we forget about demand response and energy efficiency. When we're looking at all these new technologies, we forget that energy efficiency and demand response are have been responsible, uh, or maybe the one of the biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, biggest contributors to um, the reductions in emissions that we've seen in the electric sector over the last 15 years. Um, even though many people's uh, people have more technology than ever, have more things plugged in higher powered electronics, uh, electric use has been basically flat for the last two decades, and a large part of that is energy efficiency. So our members are continuing to to look at different ways to advance energy efficiency. Um, Snohomish PUD is one of the utilities I highlighted in this report, and they have their uh, flex energy plan, which has three components. It's a uh, flex time, flex peak, and flex response. So the flex time is just, a w uh, is just an incentive where um, customers um, uh, are, are, are charged less for using more energy at night. So it's a kind of almost the form of time of use rate. There's flex peak where you receive 10% off your um, base bill, uh, but, charge, but are charged a little bit more if you use more energy during peak hours. And flex response, which is just the way to uh, alert customers of impending peak time pricing or impending uh, peak emergencies, and it gets customers to make an effort to reduce their peak usage. Um, when it comes to electric vehicles, I, I need to give a shout out to my colleague, Patricia Taylor. She's done a lot of great work in this area. Um, there's several papers available uh, on APPA's website to, to download uh, and to look at uh, what members are doing uh, on electric vehicles. There's um, a report that was released just a few months ago on EV rates and the way that uh, our members are 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 establishing rates to in, to entice people who have electric vehicles to save energy by charging at night or at least to to move their their usage off off peak which helps the utility and when they have time of use rates and in collaboration with those EVs they get to reduce their electric bills because their the 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 their price for charging is less than it ordinarily would be if they charge during peak hours and so in this report I highlight what Seattle City Light has done they have an extensive program they they've worked in close collaboration with the city of Seattle to establish a blueprint for changes over the next decade that includes has is multifaceted but includes outreach to customers, just educating the public about the value of the potential value for electric vehicles, the emissions reductions, the performances of EVs, and to get people to think about EVs, if even if even if it's, if, if it's just kind of just laying the thought, the initial thought about transitioning to EVs. They're also working with the, with the city to uh, establish fleet electrification, which for the city buses, for their own fleets, and also looking at ways that they can expand charging infrastructure in the city to 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 entice greater adoption of electric vehicles. I also want to highlight um, um, 
work done by the Iowa Association of Municipal Utilities. They worked with a deed grant, um, and they created an EV toolkit. Um, it's called the Charging Forward EV Toolkit. And this toolkit is an interactive toolkit. It, it, you can work with it. If you're if if you if you purchase this toolkit, you can you can forecast your own growth, um, put in scenarios about how EV adoption can impact your community. So it's a great way. That our members are also helping other members uh, with this transition to uh, electric vehicles. We talk a little bit about smart cities and uh, the efforts of CPS Energy in San Antonio. They've done tremendous work in the smart city space. Um, one highlight, one thing that I highlighted in the report is their smart streetlight sensor program. Um, in the report, I also talk about rate design. And again, I'm gonna highlight another work that we uh, published about a year ago, uh, moving, ahead with time, moving ahead with time of use rates. And it highlighted the efforts of um, Fort Collins Utilities in Colorado and um, SMUD Sacramento Municipal Utility District in California. And they went to default time of use rates, which means that all, um, unless customers opted out, all, all residential customers were opted into a time of use rate program. And time of use rates, just to clarify, um, offer two, three, can offer two, three, or four different pricing periods, higher prices on peak periods and lower prices in off-peak periods. And so they're, and again, I highlight their efforts in this paper and how um, SMUD and Fort Collins and other public power utilities are looking at transitioning to this default time of use rate option uh, as a way to get, give customers the option to use less electricity on peak, which certainly helps in terms of capacity and having to, to, do, to develop new capacity. Uh, and it also gives uh, customers the opportunity to save, uh, save on their electric bills. And so far, most customer, more customers than not save on time use rates. Um, when it comes to AMI, smart meters, advanced metering infrastructure, um, our, our members are making a lot of advances. We, we're now at over 50% of public power meters that are now AMI. Um, uh, which is a dramatic increase over just a few years ago. And that number is just increasing as more members are implementing uh, AMI into their systems. Um, and, and I highlighted here, uh, Algona Municipal Utilities, another relatively small utility in Iowa. They also used a deed grant to help develop a tool to help them uh, clustering. So it's a way of looking, taking the AMI data and really understanding what's going on in your system, where there might be opportunities for upgrades in your system, where, where um, there are maybe some dish, uh, circuits that need to be upgraded. Um, I also look at, in terms of grid improvements, it's not just the software, it's it's the actual infrastructure. And it's gonna be very important uh, if we're going to, to increase the number of renewables in our system, we're going to have to look at, at, at transmission. Uh, NIPA has done um, has invested heavily in, uh, in improvements to their to their grid, over almost 400 million dollars worth of upgrades that they're um, doing over the next couple of years to improve their um, improve their system. So that's just a smattering of the case studies in this paper. There's 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 more if you download the report, but I think the all, the point is, all of these case studies highlight the efforts that public power utilities are, are have undergone to transition uh, to increase uh, EV efforts, to EV, increase EV penetration, to transition to different uh, generation technologies. Um, 
uh, our members are, are doing a tremendous job in large and small. They are partnering with each other. They're partnering with third parties. They're partnering with their joint action agencies to implement these changes. And so I'm, I'm very excited about where the future is headed, and it's going to be led by public power utilities. Thanks, Paul. So that, that was a great uh, overview of, of the various case studies. And one of the things um, that, that jumped out at me at the report, um, as you note, is that the, the case studies, you know, as the report says, merely scratch the surface in terms of what public power utilities are doing um, to guide customers into the future. So um, thanks again for, for highlighting the, the, what, what the report talks about. Um, and so just wanted to switch to the final question I had for you. Um, do, do you anticipate updating this new report a few years down the road? Oh, giving me more work to do already, Paul? <laughs> I, um, uh, possibly, yes. I mean, we're always looking for different ways to relay information and to highlight the work that our members are doing. Um, so, yes, I, I, I can see us either updating this report or maybe even breaking it out into different reports to highlight um, maybe like key facets. Some um, we, You know, we've done reports on hydrogen and electric vehicles. It, it's possible to do reports that focus on the efforts for AMI. But I, I definitely can see um, us trying to, to uh, or putting together another report or several reports or or maybe some other kind of product that really conveys not just what our members are doing and the purpose of this is not just to convey what our members are doing and to brag about it but i think that each member project is really um, an example that other utilities public power or not can follow uh, and so i've always found in my years here at appa that um, um, Public power utilities really value sharing information. And so whatever we can do to facilitate that sharing of information, whether it comes from us in these reports or whether it's conveying um, uh, meetings or, or, or webinars or whatever it is, um, we're, we're looking for ways for members to share information, for us to share information with our members, um, learning from each other. And because there's a lot there's a lot that's going to happen um, in this in this space uh, in the coming years, and uh, there's no need for us to do it alone. So, uh, uh, absolutely, we'll think about ways that we can work with our members and with other utilities um, to just advance the knowledge that is accumulating in, in all these different technology spaces, um, and we'll definitely be considering ways that we can do this. Great. Well, thanks again for, for joining us today, Paul. We really appreciate it. Um, the report is called Moving Public Power Forward, Community-Driven Solutions for Industry Transformation is available for download uh, at APPA's website at publicpower.org. So um, thanks again, Paul. really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Paul. I, I really appreciate the uh, time here.